0: Thank you.
1: I would like to extend heartfelt gratitude on behalf of the foster families in this their time of grief due to the homegoing of Shirley your presence here this morning speaks greatly of the impact that she had in your life. Those of you who really knew her will remember her as one who was very vocal. She told it the way she saw it, without any reservation. We are very very gracious to God for the time that he allowed her to be here and to leave an impact that it has and is having on each of our lives. Also, I'd like to to, uh, say that Those of Calvary Bible Church, the pastors, deacons and membership extends their sincere Christian condolences to the family. I would like to quote a few selected verses of scripture. Jesus said, "I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth or lives and believes in me shall never die. Surely believe this. Again." In lamentation, we are encouraged. The steadfast love of the Lord never cease. His compassion never fails. Every morning, they are renewed. Jesus, again, reminds us that we should not let our hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. The apostle, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, and I quote, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor any anything present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And that is why this morning we can say with all of our hearts, we know where Shirley is. Because nothing could separate her from the love of Jesus Christ. She is within. But we also are reminded by the patriarch, Job, we brought nothing into this world and we take nothing out. The Lord gives, the Lord take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. May God bless you as we continue to celebrate the homegoing service of Shirley.
2: To Brother Clem and Sanfra, Jada, the rest of the family, may you continue to know the comfort of the Holy Spirit during this time of bereavement. As we sing this first song, Spirit of the Living God, you may remain seated. And let's all use this as a prayer that indeed the Spirit of the Living God, who is the comforter, will minister to this family and minister to our own hearts today. together as we express our trust and assurance in the one who is the resurrection and the life. Tis so sweet to trust in this one. Oh for grace to trust him more.
3: bow with me now as we open in a word of prayer. Father, again, thank you for another beautiful day. Your word tells us that this is the day that you have made, and we need to rejoice and be glad in it. And yet we have a dear family here that's mourning the loss of a dear one, Sister Shirley, Cheryl's, as she was affectionately known. We pray that you would continue to comfort, strengthen, And encourage their hearts today. And we pray that as this service progresses and as the message is delivered, if there are those here this morning that don't know you as Lord and Savior, we pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to work in their hearts and lives. And before this service is ended, they may know you as Lord and Savior, as Sister Shirley did. So we commit and commend this service to you today. Thank you for your faithfulness, dear Father, for your love, your care, and your mercy. For it's in Jesus' precious and worthy name we ask it. Amen. I'm going to
2: ask that you remain seated as we sing Amazing Grace, and then stand one more time as we lift our voices in praise to the great Savior, Jesus Christ, how great he is. Amazing Grace. stand as we sing, how great thou art, praising God for his power and his redeeming love. be seated.
3: I don't know about you this morning, but I had goosebumps on that last chorus. Whoa, powerful. Coming now with the Old Testament, reading is a cousin Janice Saunders.
4: Good morning. The reading today is taken from Psalms 91 and 27. He that dwell in the safe place of the Most High shall abide in the shadows of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snows of the fowl and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under the wings shall thy trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though the host shall encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war shall rise against me, it will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that I will seek after, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This ends the readings.
3: We'll now have a reading from Psalm 23 by Jada Kristen Johnson, Sister Cheryl's granddaughter.
5: Good morning, Church. My nana
6: loved this psalm, so today I'm going to be reading one of her favorites, Psalm 23. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Here ends the reading of God's word.
3: Brother Tillman Bethel now comes with a solo.
7: Cheryl's was my best friend. Really and truly, nobody knows, except maybe Sanford and Clem and Jada, and my wife. (laughs) I'm going to give you a little joke. I'm here to sing, but I just can't sit down before I give you this little joke. I saw Cheryl's every day of my life except Saturdays. She would come by Island wholesale to feed my guys so they could be strong and do a good day's work. But she always used to say to me, she'd say, Till, when you die, I gonna be sitting right up there in the front next to Steph. Saying, Steph gonna be sitting up there cute and pretty. I'd say, but I gonna be hollering and screaming for you. She always told me that. That's why. I'm going to miss her so much, I just can't imagine life without her. And she told me I had sung this song four weeks before she passed away, and she always admonished me to always, no matter what I was going through, to always praise Him.
8: against the wall and your mountain seems so tall and you realize that life's not always fair you can run away and hide let the old man decide or you can change your circumstances with a prayer when everything falls apart praise his name when you have a broken heart raise your hands and say lord you're all i need you're everything to me and you will take
0: hurt away
8: if you just praise his name you can blood of the lamb and by the words of your testimony you'll see the darkness
3: Thank you very much, Brother Tillman, for that encouraging selection. Even in the midst of sorrow and grief, we can still praise his name. And we know where Sister Shirley is today. She's with the Lord and Savior. We will now have a pre-recorded selection by Leslie and Nadja Armbrister, niece and grandniece.
5: Shirley was a unique, kind-hearted, and joyful woman. She was definitely the life of every party, telling jokes and old stories. There was never a dull moment when Shirley was in the room. Her presence was always felt. It was amazing how she was able to keep everyone entertained. You never knew what she was going to say next. As a teenager, my sisters and I spent many weekends at Aunt Shirley's house where she lived with my grandmother. I remember our school parties on weekends when, at 12 o'clock midnight, without fail, Aunt Shirley would come out of her room, turn off the music, and sing God Save the Queen, and then say, Okay, party over. She took us to church every Sunday morning in the early days when Calvary Bible Church was held under a tent on the property of Bahamas bus and truck. Nothing got in the way when it came to her serving the Lord. We were always very close. The happiest and most memorable moments were shared on our trips to Miami. We went to Miami many weekends. Shopping was definitely her favorite pastime. You wouldn't believe the energy she found once that plane landed on Miami soil. She bought everything she went for and then some. It never occurred to her for one moment how she would get all that stuff back to Nassau. Like KB Song says, it must be going on the Betty K. Shop Till You Drop was quitting it mildly. My Aunt Shirley lived a great life and had the best of all worlds. She had a great marriage to Clem, who always treated her like a queen, a wonderful daughter, Sanfro, who was devoted, loving, and caring every step of the way, and the joy of her life, her granddaughter, Jada. Aunt Shirley, your favorite words were, It ain't easy, and oh, what a time. I will miss my Aunt Shirley's happy face. Sleep on, Aunt Shirley. I love you, but God loves you best.
9: Here's to the lady, so worthy of praise, here's to the lady always, and here's to a chance in her
2: eyes, And the joy she brings to my life. Yes, uh, Sister Shirley was truly somebody who was a, a wonderful person. I, I am so thankful for the time I, I got to the times I got to spend with her, both in, in choir, sometimes at, at the Foster's residence. She was such a joy, such a delight, such a hospitable, uh, kind, and loving uh, Christian woman. And she would uh, indeed uh, be greatly missed by the choir and members of this church. Uh, She served so well for so many years. And she is now experiencing the true victory in Jesus. And the family has given us uh, permission uh, to have the congregation sing this song. Uh, victory in jesus the words are going to be up on this on the screen for you and uh, we invite you to stand with us as we sing about the victory that sister shirley is experiencing she's now in the presence of her lord right. and awaiting the resurrection of her body let's stand together as we sing about the victory that's found in jesus I heard it. Blood. Jesus and his precious blood. Hallelujah. You may
3: be seated. There is victory in Jesus. Are you experiencing that victory today? You can before you leave this service if you don't know Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Coming now with a New Testament reading is Jennifer Daniel Davidson, a sister-in-law.
6: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. The reading is taken from Romans 8, verses 28 through 39. And we know, all, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here ends the reading of the word. Thank
3: you. Minister Patricia Bethel, a friend, now comes with a tribute.
10: Morning, Church. I begin my tribute with words from Proverbs chapter thirty one, verses ten through thirty one, which states. A wife of noble character, who can find? She's worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still day, Dark, she provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamb does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She's clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he, ta- where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. Many women do noble things, but you, Cheryl, surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. I have the distinct honor of paying final tribute to my longtime friend and confidant, whom I affectionately called Cheryl's or Foster. My relationship with Shirley spans at least 55 years, and some of my fondest memories of the times we spent together on Mount Royal Avenue in the valley where we lived. I was in my late teens when I met Cheryl's, and she was a couple of years older. We developed a bond that was so close that my sisters and I considered her to be a part of our family, our other sister by another mother. Sheryls and I traveled together before I got married in 1966. We went to New York and Canada, and it was Sheryls that introduced me to the popular places in the Miami area where behaviors like to shop. Yeah, I was one of those persons who shopped till I dropped. She introduced me to places like the Flea Market, the wholesale outlets around 20th Street, the 103rd Street Mall, the meat shop on 27th Avenue, the wholesale grocery outlets like BJ's and Jethro's. We had some interesting adventures, and if you wanted a near-death experience, you only had to drive with Shirley in Miami. You buckled your seat belts and prayed that the other drivers would see Shirley coming and move over. Somehow we survived, because God in his mercy gave his best traffic angel charge over us to keep us in all of our foolish ways. (laughs) Shirley lived by the premise that unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain that build it. So the first house that Shirley allowed the Lord to build was her spiritual house, because she believed Matthew 66 and 33, which states, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So the foundation on which she has built her life was one that would allow her to follow God's path, his purpose, and his plan. That foundation was further strengthened right here at Calvary Bible Church, through the teaching and preaching ministry. It is therefore no accident that as a part of my tribute, I began by reading from the very popular passage of scripture in Proverbs 31, which details those attributes and characteristics characteristics ascribed to what the Bible refers to as a virtuous woman. These verses describe the ideal wife and mother whose whole life is centered around a reverent fear of God compassion for those in need, and faithfulness and love towards her family. While all of the ideals set forth in the passage are probably not fulfilled in any one wife and mother, because no one is perfect, I believe that a close scrutiny of Cheryl's life would reveal that she possessed many of the characteristics and attributes found in the passage that would qualify her to be called a virtuous woman. She's a generous, industrious, kind, compassionate, honest, forthright, humorous person who operated in a spirit of excellence. Additionally, she was a good businesswoman, a good organizer, an economist, a banker, and you could add to that list a Bush lawyer as well. (laughs) I would like to highlight three of Shirley's attributes that pretty much sums up her life. First of all was her fervent fear and service to God, compassion for those in need, and faithfulness and love towards family. The first one which her fear of God and, and service to God. Her whole life has been marked by service to her God and to mankind. She loved her God and she loved her church. When I met Shirley, she already knew the Lord and was actively involved in the church. She was one of the pillars of this church. And Sunday after Sunday, she joined the members of the congregation that were worshiping under the tent, under the, leader of, under the leadership of Pastor Earl B. She served in the choir, the alto section, the Sunday school, Awana, and the feeding ministry to name a few. And she served faithfully up to the time of her death. Shirley served the Lord out of her love for him, not for any recognition or human reward. She invested her time, talents, and resources in the building up of his kingdom and in the building and restoration of lives. That was why she was so passionate about the Iwana program, because it offered an opportunity to provide guidance, direction, and hope to young people, many of whom would otherwise be lost. That requires love compassion, empathy, perseverance, patience, courage, and strength. She knew that serving God required great faith, sacrifice, commitment, dedication, and total surrender to his will. It involved going beyond the call of duty, teamwork, going into places and dealing with people that most people would pass by on the other side, like the Levite and priest in the story of the Good Samaritan. No one knows or can measure the impact that she has had on the lives of so many with whom she had come into contact. Her service and sphere of influence went beyond the four walls of the church. It flowed over into her neighborhood and the school where she was a lunch vendor up to the time of her death. Everywhere she went, she let her little light shine and God was glorified. I'm sure that she will be greatly missed And as the ramming brothers sing, I wonder who will fill her shoes. Then for compassion for those in need. Those of us who knew Sheriff can testify that she had a heart as big as the world. She was one of the kindest persons I knew. She would gladly give her best and her all to someone in need. Proverbs says of the virtuous woman that she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. Shirley's life has been characterized by her generous spirit and I believe that that was why she was so blessed and successful in anything that she set out to do. Many of the children in the Iwana program can attest to her kindness and generosity. Ask any of the NCA students or teachers who were beneficiaries of a lunch program, even if they had no money. It was the only place on the planet where you could buy lunch, good lunch for $2. And if you did not have the money, she would let you have the lunch anyway. Shirley would feed people off the street, give them clothes, make or purchase little gifts to let them know that they were appreciated and that someone thought about them. She would see the needs and meet them without any fanfare. She would purchase or make up bags of grocery items for families in need. When she would go away, she would purchase items of clothing for children of families that she knew were in need. She was also one of the most hospitable persons I ever came across. She and Clam were great hosts. Their doors were always open to family, friends, and neighbors. You could never go to the house unless she offered you something to eat or drink, and you could not leave unless you took something, only even if it was only a bottle of water. The scripture tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. And when we give cheerfully, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will men give into our bosoms? Shirley allowed her life to become a channel of blessing to others. And we thank God for a husband like Clem, who understood and allowed her to do her thing. Finally, love and love towards her family. One did not have to be in Cheryl's presence very long to realize that the intense love that she had for her family meant everything to her. When you got to know her, you also got to know her family. So I got to know Ma, and Thelma, and Esby, and Sylvia, and and, and the children. I got to know um, her nieces and her nephews because whenever you saw Shirley, as, as Les said earlier, The children were with her. In fact, it was a long time before people decided that they were not Shirley's children, right? She took them to church every Sunday, made sure that they participated in Sunday school and got involved in youth activities at the church. Everyone gathered at Ma's house on Sunday and through the week. And whenever Ma cooked, whether it was lunch or dinner, anyone was welcome to eat. Ma, Shirley, and Esme were a comedy team all by themselves. They could write a bestseller from all of the drama. But no matter what happened, they were firmly and fiercely protective of each other. They took care of each other. They loved each other. And that close bond in the family remained even after Ma's death. Because Shirley has been the glue that kept the family together. Her nieces and nephews can tell you that she was a good auntie. Her siblings that are alive can testify that she was a good sister, the best. And if Ma were able to speak today, she would say that Shirley was a good child. Like all of us, Shirley faced many challenges in her life, but you'd never know because prayers, her faith, and the promises contained in the word of God were what she drew on for strength. In all of the changing scenes of her life, she never lost her hope. She never lost her joy and she never lost her praise. She believed that no matter what happened, she served a God who could do exceedingly abundantly above all that she could ask or think through the power that worked in her. Then I can testify about the great love that Shirley had for her husband Clem and for her children's and for her children, Sanfra, her daughter, and Jay, her son. And last but not least, Jada, her heartstring. Clare Clem and Shirley had a special relationship and a beautiful marriage. They allowed God to build their marriage and their home. They made a good team, complementing and supporting each other in their individual pursuits. Clem was the wind beneath Shirley's wings and she was his. She's a great mother and wife that provided Sanfra with a model for her family. She and Clem together acquired the parental skills necessary to raise their children and provided them with the opportunities to become productive citizens. Their home was always immaculate. There was always good food and lots of laughter in the foster house. As a wife and mother, she made sure that her home was a sanctuary where her children could feel loved and secure and protected. I'm sure that when Clem married married this classy, humorous, lovable, fiery, witty young woman from the valley, he did not know what an interesting journey it would be. But being the good sport that he is, he weathered the storms and quickly came to the understanding, like my husband, that his job was not to understand Shirley, but to love her, (laughs) and that he did. Shirley was his queen and he was her king. Nothing was too good for Clem or the children. She lavished them with love, and together they nurtured their children, training them up in the fear and the nurture of the Lord. So, in conclusion, Shirley's whole life has been one of service and submission to her God, her family, and others. Some may think, according to today's society, that serving as Shirley did was beneath them because there's no limelight, no pay, little or no gratitude or appreciation for what is done or the sacrifice required for their efforts. But nevertheless, year after year, she persevered because of the deep faith and love for God. But in Jesus' kingdom, we are told in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 11 that he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Shirley chose to be a servant of the Most High God and all that that entails. In God's kingdom, she will be listed among the greats. You will not see her name listed among those receiving any national honors from the government or recognition from the queen. You will not find her name listed in the popular world or national publications that recognizes the rich and famous or the elite. You will not find a certificate on her wall from a world famous college or university stating her academic achievements. Nor does she come from a wealthy family on whose name she could trade. Her affirmation came from the fact that she knew who she was and whose she was. She was a child of the Most High God, a joint heir with his son Jesus Christ, called forth to show the praises of him that called her out of the darkness into his marvelous light. In addition, her accolades, even though she did not seek them, came from her husband who realized that he had found a virtuous woman whose price was far above rubies. They came from her children and her friends and family members who undergirded her with their love and their support. Look around you and see the vast numbers of persons who are are here today to pay their final respects to this great servant of God. People from every walk of life. She is one of the unsung heroes of this country, who who was small in stature, but a spiritual giant in this church and a role more to a family, and for women everywhere. And so, how do you say goodbye to such a friend? And a confidant? My sister by another mother. What do you think she would say if she could speak today? Well, to those of you who don't know the Lord, she would say, make your calling and your election sure. To her friends. She would say, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and let him direct your path. To the household of faith, persons here at Calvary and those in the congregation, the coming of the Lord is near. So she would encourage you to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that, your labor will not be in vain in the Lord. To Clem, Sanfra, Jay, and Jada. She would say weeping will only endure for a night. But joy will come in the morning. She will tell you, fear not, for God is with you. And that he will never leave you or forsake you. And that nothing can ever separate you from her love. And then just remember that there is never a burden that he does not carry. There's never a soul that he does not share. Whether the day may be sunny or dreary, Jesus is always there. So I say, here's to a lady who is so worthy of praise. Here's to a lady always. Here's to the love that shines in her eyes and the joy she brought to our lives. And with the pastor's permission, I just ask the congregation to stand and give a rousing round of applause to this great woman of God, this servant of the Most High King, Shirley May Foster.
3: Thank you very much, Minister Davis. Bethel, sorry, not Davis, Bethel. But it sounds like from the trips that they, she made with Sister Shirley to Miami for a little shopping that Sister Shirley had a degree in shopping. <laughs> you know, S T Y, no, yeah, S T Y D. Shop till you drop. I would like to recognize the presence of our Deputy Prime Minister, the Honorable Philip Davis, and also the Member of Parliament for South Andrus, the Honorable Picewell Forbes. I have some comments here from the Honorable Jerome Fitzgerald, the Minister of Education, and the Member of Parliament for Marathon. He expresses his regrets in not being here, but he's off the island. Death leaves a heartache no one can heal. Love leaves a memory no one can steal. The author is unknown. On behalf of my family, as well as the entire community of Marathon, I extend sincerest condolences to my friend Clem, and indeed, all family members. Shirley may have been small in stature, but she was a giant of a woman who dearly loved her family and her God, and in doing God's work, she received immense joy, making others happy. It is my prayer that these memories, as well as those of precious time spent together, will bring you comfort and solace as you mourn her untimely passing. My thoughts and prayers are with you. May she rest in peace as her legacy lives on. Sister Audrey Farrington comes with a tribute.
11: After Sister Patricia Bethel was finished, I said, Wow. <laughs> Cheryl's would accept that from her, but not from me. So <laughs> we've already heard that she's plain speaking. And when I opened the Cheryl's story, what did I see? Plain speaking. So direct and to the point. People's person, servant of the most high God. We met in 1971 when I began attending Calvary Bible Church here, and we we became closer when Cheryl joined the Iwana Ministry, where I served then, I don't know if it's still commander or program director, but I was in charge of the ministry here, and Cheryl was one of the leaders. And because of my training, and God is a God of order and discipline, Cheryl's One day came, when she came, hi, Gaddafi. I said, okay, so when Jada came along and she brought Jada to Awana, she said one night, you have my child scared of you. I said, who called me Gaddafi? Cheryl's, and most of what I wanted to say has already been said, and I was trained not to be repetitious. However, if you hear one or two, you'll forgive me. None of my mentors and those who trained me are here, so I can get away with that. But I promise Shirles won't let me get away with too much today. Cheryl's was a hostess by excellence. And I don't know why she felt every time she had a function for... Anniversary, birthday, cat's birthday, you'll forgive me, no. Um, housewarming, whenever she had a function, she felt she had to invite me. Now, Cheryl's knew that I was a little antisocial, but she still invited me anyway. Knowing my profession, knowing on weekends I am extremely tired, Cheryl still invited me. So one time I said, I'm gonna try this on Shirles. So I prepared and went there early an hour before the function was about to begin. Shirles only came to show my face before I could get it out. Where well, you have to go? What do you have to do home? Who you have to go for? Who you have there? Then she gave me that Shirles look. You old busted, go sit down. I said Wow, Schultz did not only call me a busser, she had to add an adjective to it, she called me an old busset. Then she proceeded to put me to work. Here, go do this. That was Schultz, direct to the point. I relocated to Eleuthera two years ago. Who should call, came with Minister Patricia Bethel. Cheryl, I'm Orch, she called me Orch affectionately when she wasn't calling me Kadafi and old of I need a place to rest my head. Cheryl's, I just relocated. The house isn't prepared for guests. I need a place to rest my head. Her only complaint was the chickens. So, she said, "Ouch! if those chickens don't stop crowing, those roosters don't stop crowing, I will open up a Kentucky up here and I will not how to purchase, I said, (laughs) I said, I won't buy any from you. These old nasty, dirty chickens around here, I won't buy, I won't patronize your business. Proverbs 14, 12 says, laughter can conceal a heavy heart, and that's what I'm feeling right now. But when the laughter ends, the grief remains. And if it remains for me, can you imagine Clem, Sanfra, Jada, who's no longer afraid of me, Thelma, the sisters, and the rest of the family. And then after it was Cheryl's death was so sudden, I got before the Lord and said, Lord, when Sanfra asked me to share, and I was hoping she didn't print my name, and I was hoping she would bypass me, but Cheryl would say, if Sanfra asks you, you better get up there, knowing her. So I said, I turned to the book of Hebrews, and it says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. So I said, okay, I will let Cheryl's sudden death speak to me. And I prefer the King James other version says, Say it differently, but I prefer the King James. She's speaking to me. And I said, God, what can I take? And some of the things that I have written down each time a person to Minister Bethel spoke, I showed it to Betty Allen. Cheryl was sincere. There was not a pretentious bone in her body. She was no phony. So I can hear her saying to me, Because like I said, that's what she called me affectionately, but she wasn't calling me those other names. Orge, be sincere. We have too many insincere, phony people in the world, and God forbid, in the church. So be sincere. Cheryl's saying, be hospitable. Now you already have to have um, functions like me, but be hospitable. Cheryl's would say, Orge, be industrious. Uh, hard-working, and that's the aspect I'm taking from that. 74-year-olds still working with young people in the Iwana ministry, hard-working, the industrious. George, be ready. I didn't plan to die. I was planning to go on the retreat, but I was ready to die since you met me in 1971. So be ready. Orge, be loving. Sanfra and Clemence already been said. Jada, the sisters, the other family members just loved you. She was a loving individual. And Orge, be sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. And that rock is Jesus. So I say to my beloved friend, Like we would, and this was also mentioned, we would say at the graveside of loved ones and my beloved Hachadé, and yes, it's Hachadé, not Hachadé. Goodbye, my darling sister, Cheryl and friend. Lay down and take your rest. Lay your head upon the Savior's breast. I, we, love you, but Jesus loves you the best. So my friend, I bid you goodbye until we meet them again.
12: Joanne and myself, our sincere condolences to the family and thank them for allowing me to come and share a few words with you via this video. The Bible in Sarah chapter 44, it speaks about two kinds of persons at their death, it speaks about those persons who have died, and as if they never lived. This is because they've lived unimpactful and uneventful in- un- lives. They've not left their names in the hearts of others. And then it speaks about another kind of person. It says, let us sing the praises of famous man. It goes on to say, even though they have died, they have left behind a name, so that others may declare their praises. When I think of Miss Shirley, I think about the name that she's left behind, a name that causes us to smile, that causes us to have wonderful moments of, of reflection. I think about her name and I think about the fact that she was a woman of faith, that she loved her God, and we all know how much she knew God loved her. She would share this gospel message of Christ, wherever she went, When children came to the store to buy stuff from the shop and an opportunity presented itself, she would share this gospel to others. She loved doing the work of the church, the work of God, and to promote God's kingdom here on earth. And for her, it was a labor of love. She was not only a woman of faith, but she was a family woman. She loved her family and her family loved her. You could see how this family loved each other. When they travel, I mean, just go to Stanford's Facebook page and you'll see the amount of pictures and you'll see how much they enjoyed being in each other's company. Nothing was ever too good for them to give to each other. Some would say they gave each other the roses while they were alive. A tremendous love for family reminds us that we must love our family and show this love not only on special occasions, but as often as we can. She was a good friend. We would talk and talk and talk about everything under the heavens. A tremendous conversationalist, and one who uh, invited and even allowed me to be a friend to her. Whenever I visited Nassau, I would find some time to just go and sit with her and just talk, even if only five minutes. I, I valued our friendship, and you know she was had such a she had such a kind heart, and I thank God for allowing me to experience a friendship with this family, especially Miss Shirley, mom. And of course, she was a good cook. Um, Every Good Friday, from the first Good Friday I met her about three years ago, she would prepare fried fish for father. And I had to get my fried fish because she knew just how to do it and she did it well. I asked her once, I said, this gift of cooking has been passed on to Sanford he said, No, father, not that one. It's the first time I tried teaching her how to cook, she showed up in the kitchen with high heels and makeup on, and she said, Discount, bro. So you believe that maybe that gift has been passed on to Jada? Friends, there are so many things that we can say about this wonderful woman of God, but we give God thanks for her. Thank Him for loaning her to us these many years. And we continue to celebrate and declare the good things and the wonderful person she was. We thank God and we declare through her name that she was a good wife, a good mother, an excellent grandmother, a wonderful relative, and a wonderful friend. May God bless you and strengthen you. May he keep you especially this your time of bereavement and continue to tell the praise and the wonderful works that are associated to the name Shirley Foster God bless
13: a tribute was from father bean's heart and the book of sirach that he mentioned and quoted from is part of the apocrypha
3: Adams a friend now comes with a solo
14: The sun, where to stand.
13: The Clem, Sanfra, and Jay, Jada, on behalf of my wife, Beth, and our family, we extend our heartfelt condolences and prayers and love, and I'm sincerely appreciative of the opportunity to minister God's word today in Shirley's service. I want to share from perhaps the most well-known of all the Psalms, the one that Jada read so beautifully, with such understanding, the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There was a professional orator who was paid to recite this psalm for an audience. As the orator did so, he noticed an old man at the rear of the auditorium who was mouthing the words silently as the professional recited. After he had finished, the orator invited the old man forward to give the psalm a second time. With a cane and a trembling old voice, The man said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He went on to complete the recitation of the 23rd Psalm with such meaning, such a personal understanding. When the aged gentleman was finished, the professional orator (coughs) said to the audience, you see, folks, I know the Psalm but he knows the shepherd. And what a difference that makes. Today, speaking with God's words, authority, and with God's love, I intend to make the case for all of you, knowing the shepherd as Sister Sheryl's did on earth, and as she now knows him perfectly, In glory. Will you notice, please, that the psalm begins with a decision by you? The psalm begins with a decision by you. The first part of verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. Now, for the Lord to be your shepherd, you must first decide to make him your shepherd. For it is the Lord is my shepherd, it is not the Lord is a shepherd nor is it the Lord is the shepherd. It's the Lord is my shepherd. You know, it's amazing to me that we all pick certain people to do for us. So we speak of my hairdresser, my doctor, my electrician, my pastor, my yard man, my teacher, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Yet so many people never get around to making the Lord their shepherd. It's very sad indeed, when a person dies unable or unwilling to say, the Lord is my shepherd. Of course, our dear sister Shirley obviously made the Lord Jesus Christ her shepherd all the way from when she trusted him to being promoted on November 4th. And that was Shirley Foster's decision. Have you made that decision? Have you ever decided to consciously, volitionally make the Lord Jesus Christ your own shepherd? It's the biggest and the best decision which you'll ever make in your life. And so much, so very much flows out of the decision to make the Lord one shepherd. I'm going to share several things right in the psalm that flow out of that decision to make the Lord your shepherd. You ready? First, in the psalm, there is assurance. The second part of verse 1 reads... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. It's like the little girl in Sunday school who tried to quote the 23rd Psalm from memory, and she said, the Lord is my shepherd, that's all I want. You know, really, she had it right. She misquoted the verse, but really, she stated the core truth. The Lord is my shepherd, that's all I want. And when the Lord is your shepherd, you're assured that he will look after you and you shall not want. That's a beautiful outflow of making the Lord one shepherd. But there's another thing that flows out of the decision to make the Lord one shepherd. It's there's rest. Listen to verse two. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. You know what? The Lord is not a driven boss. Some of you, honestly, work for driven bosses, don't you? The Lord is not a driven boss. The Lord balances labor with rest for his sheep. The Lord makes us, in fact, as his own sheep, to lie down in green pastures beside quiet waters because he's not a driven boss. He knows the value of the rest that he can provide, And that's what flows out of your decision if you make the Lord your shepherd. But there's more. There's also restoration. The first part of verse 3, he restores my soul. You know, when you make the Lord Jesus Christ your shepherd, you'll understand a beautiful benefit in your soul. Do you know what your soul is? Let me tell you. Everyone is made in the image of God. God is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but one God. When we're made in God's image, there's three parts to each of us. There's a body that allows us to interact with our environment. There's a spirit that allows us to interact with God. And there's a soul that allows us to interact with each other. The soul is what's referenced here in verse 3. He restores my soul. Another name for the soul is personality. Personality includes intellect, emotion, and will a thinker, a feeler, and a chooser. That is what a soul is. And this psalm says, when you make Jesus Christ your shepherd, he will restore your personality. He will restore your thoughts, your feelings, and your choices. I love that. Because we live in a day and age in Bahamaland where we need restoration. We need restoration in our personal lives. We need restoration in our neighborhoods. We need restoration in our country. You'll only know a restored soul if you know a good shepherd. The Lord Jesus is the one who best is qualified to restore your intellect, your emotion, and your will when you are depleted. So far, we've seen that when we make the Lord Jesus our shepherd, what flows out of that is assurance. What flows out of that is rest. What flows out of that is restoration. But there's more. There's guidance. There's guidance. Listen again to verse 3. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, the good shepherd always guides his sheep in righteous paths. You know why? Because his good name is at stake. When I was learning to drive a few years ago now, in a suburb of Toronto, my dad was very generous with the family car. And after I got my license, he let me drive the family car. But this is what he said to me he said, Son, you're gonna drive that family car in a law abiding, courteous and careful manner, because in our subdivision, everybody knows that's my car, my license plate, and my name is on the line when you drive my car. When we know the Lord Jesus as our shepherd, he guides us in the paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. If we know him by salvation, we are little Christ. That's what Christian means. We bear and carry the name of Jesus Christ wherever we go. So he has a vested interest in leading us in paths of righteousness, and he will in accordance with his word as we're filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit and obedient. Oh, there's guidance when we make Jesus our shepherd. Let me recap again. When we make the decision that Sister Cheryl made to make Jesus her shepherd, there's assurance, There's rest and restoration and guidance, but there's more. There's also fellowship. First part of verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. There's fellowship. Our shepherd being right with us through the good, through the bad, through the ugly, makes all the difference in the world. There was a famous preacher... Barn, Barnhouse, who pastored 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, and his wife, Mrs. Barnhouse, died suddenly young, and Dr. Barnhouse was left with the challenge of raising several young children without his wife, and one day, they were driving down the interstate on a sunny day, and there was a semi-tractor-trailer truck beside their vehicle, and he noticed that the shadow cast by the semi-truck was over the lane that they were driving into on the interstate. And Dr. Barnhouse said to his children, children, do you see that truck? Yes, Daddy. Would you rather be run over by the truck or by the shadow of the truck? And they, of course, we know what they said. And that is how it is for Shirley. Shirley. And every believer who's made Jesus their shepherd, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the shadow of death, Jesus Christ took the full brunt of physical death for us. So we only have to go through as believers who've made him our good shepherd. We only have to go through the shadow of death. Oh, what a decision it is to make the Lord Jesus Christ our shepherd. But there's more. There's also comfort. The second part of verse 4, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Watch it. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. There's comfort when you make Jesus your shepherd. There is comfort. You know, shepherds in the ancient Near East, the land in which Jesus grew up, They carried two things as shepherds. Those at Bethlehem who saw the Star of Christmas, they had two pieces of equipment as shepherds. They had a rod, which was a straight club, and they had a staff, which was a long-handled hook like a lifeguard might use in a swimming pool. And they used the rods to beat off the predators that would eat the sheep. But when a sheep wandered away from safety and the care of a shepherd and fell into the crevice of a rock and was trapped, the shepherd wouldn't use a club. He'd use a staff and he'd hook that lamb with care and love and he'd gently lift that lamb out of the predicament to safety. Jesus, when he's your good shepherd, his rod and his staff will comfort you. This morning it's a big crowd. We all have predators, and we all have predicaments. When you make the Lord Jesus your shepherd, he will beat away your predators, whatever that is, but also he will tenderly lift you up and rescue you from your predicaments, but only if he's your good shepherd by your choice. But there's more. There's assurance, there's rest, there's restoration, there's guidance, there's fellowship, there's comfort, but there's also provision. When Jesus is our shepherd, there's also provision. Verse 5, thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There's provision. The shepherd is always setting the perfect table before his sheep. Sheryl's did that in so many contexts, we learned in this celebration of life service. I think of when she welcomed our family to Calvary Bible Church from Pennsylvania, the wonderful spread that she put out on the house with beautiful decorations, and Clem was so hospitable and generous too. The shepherd wants to prepare a table before those who are his sheep in the presence of their enemies. That is going to baffle people who don't love Jesus. Do you remember in the book of Acts when Stephen was stoned to death? Do you remember the young Pharisee named Saul at that point who held the coats of those who pitched the rocks to kill Stephen? Saul slash Paul never got over seeing the peace that Stephen had that he prayed for those who were stoning him to death in an awful, violent death. When Jesus, as your shepherd, sets a table before you in the presence of your enemies, it will baffle them. But there's more. When you decide to make Jesus your shepherd, there's more. There's blessing. Verse 5 again, thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Watch it. Thou hast anointed my head With oil. Well, that doesn't sound that attractive. This is not 10W30 oil. Back in the ancient Near East, they didn't have a lot of showers and bathtubs, and there was a lot of dust. And so when you walk to a city or walk to a home to be showing hospitality, you were tired, you were hot, and you were dusty. So they took a fine oil that smelled good, and they put it in your hair. They combed your hair and your beard if you were a man. It would be like a cologne today. It would be like a perfume today. This verse is saying that when Jesus is our shepherd, there is the blessing of being anointed, refreshed, groomed by Jesus. Think of it, the Son of God who died in the place of sinners like me, who rose from the dead, showing courtesy to groom and to perfume and to cologne those who have made him, their shepherd. What grace. But there's more. When we make Jesus our shepherd, there's satisfaction. Verse five. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. Watch now. My cup overflows. That's satisfaction. My cup overflows. True and total satisfaction in life is only possible by having Jesus Christ as your shepherd and as your everything. Now let's go back quickly to verse 1. I need to point something out there. Verse 1 grammatically lacks an object. The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want, no object after the verb, want what? Anything. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want anything. Whatever we need, and many times beyond what we need, Christ will provide. That is absolute satisfaction that doesn't go down with the stock market, that moth and rust does not ruin, that thieves do not break in and steal. There's one more thing. You say, Pastor, how many things are in this song? Quite a few. And that's why making Jesus your good shepherd is the most important decision you'll ever make in time and for eternity. There's prospect, great prospect when we make Jesus our shepherd. Verse six. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's prospect in this life on earth and there's prospect in eternal life in heaven when Jesus is your shepherd. There was an old man, I'm told. He had two dogs they were named goodness and loving-kindness. And they followed the man all his life. Surely goodness and loving-kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Wouldn't you want that? You can have it if Jesus is your shepherd. In the Bible, time at least, a shepherd would take a little lamb into his arms and carry it over a brook of water to the other side, and then the older sheep that could go through the brook fine on their own would follow. November 4th, rather suddenly and unexpectedly, Shirley's good shepherd took her in the crook of his strong arm with his nail-scarred hand And he carried Shirley across the brook to the other side, heaven. There she is dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. I hope you can see what I'm trying to share from the psalm today. There's so very much for every one of us who will make the Lord Jesus our shepherd. There's assurance and rest. There's restoration and guidance. There's fellowship and comfort. There's provision and blessing. And there's satisfaction and prospect. But it all hinges on your individual, personal decision about what you will believe about Jesus. Will you make him your good shepherd? I'm going to give you a chance to do that right from where you sit in a minute. There was a Christian author, Elizabeth Elliott, no relation to me. It's funny. My wife was speaking at a women's uh, conference in Ohio some years back, and they listed her as Beth Elliott, and the place was packed. And when she walked out, they all said, where's this lady, Elizabeth Elliott? Anyway, a writer named Elizabeth Elliott Uh, knew a little girl who was terminally ill. And this little girl learned to recite Psalm 23 on her fingers. They taught her to recite the psalm on her fingers. She was young. And she would say, the Lord is my shepherd. As her life was winding down due to her terminal illness, she had more pain, although the hospital tried to manage her pain as best they could, but she was still feeling more pain, and so she would do this often. The Lord is my shepherd. Overnight one night, she went to be with Jesus, and when they found her in the hospital bed, she was holding her own thumb.
10: The Lord
13: is my
9: Shepherd can you say that can
13: you say that so much depends on you. maybe bow in prayer precious God our loving heavenly Father you are perfectly holy and we aren't And all of us fall short of who you are. And so we need a Savior. And the only Savior that you have ever provided or ever will provide is your only Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, God, I have one Son. And I love a lot of people, but I would not let my Son die for anybody. But Thank you for letting your Son, the Lord Jesus, die for us. And Lord Jesus, thank you that you were willing to die in our places. Lord Jesus, we know it wasn't the spikes in your hands and feet that held you to that cruel cross, but rather it was your love for your Father and your love for us sinners. I pray if there be anyone in this big congregation who does not yet know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and, yes, Good Shepherd, that right from where they sit, in the quietness of their own hearts, they could pray something like this, silently to God. God, I have messed up and sinned. I can't make myself acceptable to you. I've tried. But I thank you that Jesus came to bear my sins onto himself, to pay for them, and to make me right with God. Father, right now, from where I sit, I want to make Jesus Christ my good shepherd. I want to call Jesus Christ to be my Savior and Lord. I believe that he died in my place, and when he said it is finished, he meant all of the payment for my sin was paid for. I want to make him my Savior. I want to believe he died on the cross for me, and I want to believe that he rose from the dead to show my sins are paid for in full. Here and now, I transfer my trust completely to the finished work of Christ. I'm not going to trust religion or my family heritage or my efforts. I'm only going to trust Jesus. While your head is bowed and all of our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer, God heard you and he saved you. He's going to make you new from the inside out. You need to find a Bible preaching and teaching church. If you have one, go there. If you don't have any church, come here. We don't want anybody to grow old in Jesus. We want everybody to grow up into Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this precious time in your word. Thank you that the message, the central message of this funeral celebration of life, Bible lesson, was at the core of who Shirley is. That's why she gave her time to the church. That's why she gave her strength to the neighborhood and the school. Because she wanted to see precious people be Christians, not by name, but by reality. Thank you, Lord, for saving people today. Give us grace to finish this celebration of life service now. In Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen.
11: Good morning, Church. Whenever mom visited us in Providentialis, she always attended church with us. And in Provo, we attend St. Monica, Anglican Church. One thing she always said, she just loved the way that the Lord's Prayer was sung in the service. And so maybe two, three nights a week, she would ask Jada at bedtime to please sing the Lord's Prayer. Sometimes they'd sing it together. Sometimes the three of us would sing it together. But she'd always remind me that I needed handles to carry the note. So I kind of left her and Jada alone to, to sing the prayer. But today, Jada and I would like to do this prayer, and we just ask that you just meditate with us as we sing for the last time for Mom, the Lord's Prayer. Our
9: Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be. Come, thy will be done on earth as it is
15: in heaven. Give us this day our daily
9: bread.
11: forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation,
15: but deliver us from evil.
11: Love
1: you, Nan. Love you, mom. I must say, wow, what a celebration. And I don't believe that Shirley would have it any other way. I was standing at the door earlier before we got started and a lady came in and she looked around and she says, you all are having a, a, a wedding here after the funeral. I said, this is a celebration to Shirley. And truly, this is a celebration. And I want to say just two more words. Shirley, no, it'll be a little bit more on two. Sorry. <laughs> I admit my lies before I tell it. Shirley was faithful in all of her ministries, as long as I knew her. And believe me, that was a, a little while. Because Esme, her brother, we were friends, and there was only one house between the two of us, and I knew her. She was faithful, and it's required of us to be found faithful, shall we pray. Father, we give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory. We thank you for the life of Shirley. We thank you for blessing her in such a way that she was able to touch so many lives. We thank you because even in the midst of death, We have a hope that we will see Shirley again. Thank you for all that you have done and all you're doing. Lord, I recognize that this is a very difficult time, especially for the family. But I know that your grace is sufficient, and I thank you for your mercies that are renewed morning by morning. And Lord, as they continue to keep their eyes stayed upon you, I pray their Father, that you will give them, continue to give them, the grace and the mercy that they need at this time. And we will be careful to give you, Lord God of hosts, all the honor, all the glory, and all the praises for allowing us to be a part of this celebration For we ask it in the lovely name of Jesus the Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.
2: too shall live because Jesus got up from that grave. He is alive, and we're going to sing as our recessional hymn song, Because He Lives. And we know that we all can face the future because of the risen Lord Jesus. Let's stand together as we sing, Because He Lives.
15: sente